Well, this is one of those sermons I was really hoping the Lord would take over. And you might be kind of with me by the end of it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Matthew chapter number 25, verse number 21. Again, thank you for coming, being here with us today. And uh, always love worshiping the Lord with His people. Amen. Hallelujah. Men's camp out went good. And I'll have some pictures up here tonight out in the front showing you all of the fish that we caught. It was only like three or four. Now, some of them done good. But uh, I must have been missing out on my prayer life or something because I didn't. I just caught one small one. But at least I didn't get skunk, Kobe. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, let's turn to Matthew chapter 25, verse number 21. We're continuing in our series here on well done. Well done. Hallelujah. Matthew 25, 21 says this. You got it? You're going to be like this this morning, guys? Hallelujah. Do you got it? All right. Amen. Matthew 25, 21 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Hallelujah. So again, he says, well done. We preached on that was our opening. And then we preached on the motive. Why? It's more important to know the why than it is the what or even the how or even the where. It's more important to know the why. The motive is vital. Today, we're going to go in a different direction. Dear God, we love you. We're so grateful for who you are, what you've done for us. So thankful for this church, God. God, we're grateful for every individual that's here today. Grateful for those later on that will be listening in. God, we pray that you would move, Lord, on on those that wasn't able to make it today because of sickness or because of this surgery or those that are with those that that are in the surgery. God, we pray that you would bless Lighthouse. Help us, Lord, to look for an opportunity throughout today and this week to be a blessing, Lord, our community, those that are around us. But today we're here to learn. And God, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to get our minds stayed upon you. Lord, help every word that comes out of my mouth to be straight from you and help it, Lord, to be edifying to this body. We love you. And the church would say amen. You can be seated here today. Well, we preached... um, Give me a second here. We preached on Thursday night to our youth group. And uh, the youth group, we sent a challenge out to them. And it, we call it the 4-2 challenge. And uh, challenged our youth to testing. There we go. That's what I was looking for. All right, I can focus now. We challenged our youth to revive. All right? Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 2 tells that the, the, the enemy there, Sambal, is looking. He's looking and says to the children of Israel, he says, Will you revive? 
He's mocking them. Ain't nothing. He's not asking them a question. He's mocking them. Points out the rubble, all of that stuff. We preached that on Thursday night. The Lord moved around these altars. But I made a statement that I want us to keep in mind for the next three months. A season of revival. Everybody say season. What are you saying, Brother Jared? I'm not telling you here tonight, let's have a great not saying let's have a great service, okay? We've had great services before and then came out of them and people slipped back into the same position that they were in before the service ever happened. I'm not talking about going down for a week and doing a, 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 a youth camp, okay, for our young people. I'm talking about a season of revival. So I want you to keep that in mind, young people, as we go throughout this. Remember we talked about our worship and everything, and uh, so we want... We want you to help us here today and keep that in mind throughout this week. We've been talking with some of the leadership uh, about doing some prayer partners and different things and about how and when, and we're going to get a little bit more into that and uh, looking forward to what God's going to do for us in this season of revival. Anybody ready to be revived? Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So we're going to get into what we're preaching about here today. Before we do that, the Bible teaches us in this passage that we are judged by what we do, not by what we refrain from doing or by our good intentions, but rather by how we steward our time, energy, and resources that were given to us by God. By their fruit ye shall know them, the Bible says. Not only do we are we judged by uh, uh, by God, but God lets us know that we are to look at each other and help each other by judging our fruit. In our second sermon, so what are you talking about, Brother Jared? I'm talking about well done. Well done, not well thought, not well not done, or you abstain from this sin, or you abstain from that. That's great. We need to do that. But church, we need to do something too. Amen? So, how are we stewarding those things? All right, in our second sermon, we discover that we are that the why is the most important ingredient in our well done. Uh, uh, these well done deeds, because God looks on our hearts and sees the motive behind the deeds. He sees the motive behind the deeds. He said, at that time, you may he may look at you and say, you cast out demons in my name. You healed the sick in my name. You preached in my name. You was in the choir in my name. You came to church in my name. You done all these things, but your heart wasn't in it. And because your heart wasn't in it, you didn't have the right motives, and so you'll be judged by how you done it. Amen. Today we're going to continue this series by following the passage here and answering a question. If well done is what we're looking for, and if it is how we are going to be judged, then what does well look like? Think about that. What does well look like? He followed this when he said, when Christ stated the fact that we are judged by doing well, he followed by explaining that well is good and faithful. Well done, thou good and faithful. Good and faithful. 
preach our second part of this series, Good and Faithful. Everybody say good. Everybody say faithful. Hallelujah. And then next week we're going to get into the servanthood where it talks about good and faithful servants. Hallelujah. What does good look like? What does, if good is well, if we're trying to do well and, and do it good, what does that look like? The amplified version of the Bible, when it speaks about this verse, lets us know that good means upright, honorable, and admirable. Upright, honorable, and admirable. Now, let me tell you something about good and faithful. Now, we want to be a good Christian. We want to be a faithful Christian. But can I tell you that faithfulness is best patterned by God to us. Amen? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we believe not, listen, yet he abideth faithful. Hallelujah. He abideth faithful. What do you mean, Brother Jared? I'm trying to tell you here today that God is ever faithful. Hallelujah. I want you to know that no matter what we do, God will always love us. I want you to understand here today that it's an awesome thought to think that God's faithfulness is always there with us when we go through things and when we face the things of this life. God is with us. But I want you to understand that, yes, God is with us and he is faithful. But my wife is with me and she's faithful. And because she's that with me, I, in turn, am that for her. And I believe that the calling here today and what God wants us to understand here today is that, yes, he's faithful to us. We've got that one down pat, right? We know that he's always with us. We know that when we come down to an altar to pray through that God's going to be faithful to us and forgive us our sins, right? That's what the Bible tells us. Why? Because he's faithful. We know that when we go through a financial problem in our lives, church, that we can go to God and he will be what? He will be faithful. He'll be faithful to us as Christians and provide what is needed for us to be able to make it financially for our, if we come to him and we have an illness in our body, we know that God will either pull us out of or walk Walk us, walk with us through whatever we're facing. Why, church? Because he is faithful. Come on, somebody here today. Know that God is faithful to us. We have a child out of church. We pray and expect for God to be faithful to us. Whatever we have need of, we pray and expect God to be faithful to us. But my question to you today, and, and, and the priority of this sermon is not for us to come to the realization that we well know that God is faithful to us. But my question to you is how faithful are you to Him? I told you it wasn't going to be as fun today. Alright? If God is good to us and God is faithful to us, what are we to Him? God, help us here today to be a good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. So we see here what does good look like? Upright, honorable, admirable. The first word that comes to mind whenever I see this, integrity. Somebody say integrity here today. I'm having you do that because you're kind of veering off a little bit. You know what I mean? Integrity. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 7 says, The just man walketh in his integrity. He 
his children are blessed after him. Why do we live a good life? I'm going to get into a little bit of this later, but I'm going to tell you something. Your kids are watching how good you are. Proverbs 28 verse 6 says, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. God, help us to learn to be good. I'm going to tell you something. God's looking for somebody who will represent him in the way that they're supposed to. Hallelujah. God's looking for somebody that will be the right representation of him. Hallelujah. God help us as Christians. He said, if you live in the Spirit, you will walk in the Spirit. Hallelujah. I've quoted that a couple of times here lately, but I want you to know that if you are calling yourself a blood-bought saint of Jesus Christ, then you will act like it. You will talk like it. You will live like it. God's looking for somebody here today that'll be good. Hallelujah. Somebody here today that will live with integrity that whenever you go to their job and you ask the people that they're rubbing elbows with every single day that they'll have something good to say about this good Christian. They'll know that you're blood bought. They'll know that you're spirit filled. I want somebody here today to check your life and make sure that you are good. Hallelujah. Now, I preached here the other day that you're not good. So how do we reach that? The only way to reach it is by Him. The only way to be a good servant is by the fruits of the Spirit. The only way to display the fruits of the Spirit is to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, it's to to do away with the manifestation of the flesh and walk in the Spirit. God's looking here this morning and wondering, is there anyone good? Right here at Lighthouse. Hallelujah. If you do it every day, if you wake up, you walk in the Spirit every day, you can have, you can be a person of integrity, good and faithful. What does good look like? That's what it looks like. A person that's upright, honorable, admirable. A person of integrity. What does faithful look like? Strong's states The word faithful here is defined as trusty, faithful, worthy of trust. Everybody listen to this. You ready? And can be relied on. Can be relied on. So, three vital areas that God needs us to be reliable in. Number one, be reliable to God. This is not a Sunday thing. This is not a midweek service thing. This is not a youth study on Wednesday night thing. This is your relationship with God. I had somebody here a while back say, make your priorities. You know what my priorities were? God, spouse, children, ministry. What are you talking about? Ministry is the same thing as God. No, it's not. Ministry is not the same thing as God. I can get caught up in ministry and forget about my relationship with God. 
You can get caught up in everyday life and still come to church and still do your ministry and still teach a class and still work with the children and still sing in the choir and still, I told you it won't be much fun here today. Are you going to help me out anyway? Come on, church. Sometimes we just need to get a reality check. I want you to know here today, it doesn't matter what you do in ministry, what you, how is your relationship with God? Let me ask you something. Have you prayed this week like you needed to? I've been skipping out on your devotion life. Has anyone here stopped reading the Bible? Has anybody here quit your devotion time? I want you to know here today that it's expected for us to be faithful to God. Help us to be faithful to Him. We're going to get in here in just a little bit about how we need to be faithful to our church, but it first stops with our, or starts with our relationship with Him. You know what I feel like happens so many times? We get so focused on the parallel relationships that we have that we forget about the vertical relationship that's most important. And then we wonder why is, is these horizontal relationships not working? Why is it that we can't seem to get our marriage working? Or why is it that we're having such a hard time with our kids? Or why is it that we can't have friends like we know we need to? Why is it that we seem that we're gossiping things are happening all around us? Can I tell you that you must first fix this? Hallelujah. You gotta first get this right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. His righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. What are you saying, Brother Jared? Somebody here today needs to figure out whether you're being faithful or not in your relationship with Him. Hallelujah. Prayer. Personal prayer time is the greatest communicator to God. It is what links us How faithful have you been to God? Bible study and self-application. Don't read the Bible to get a sermon, preachers. Amen? Man, it's real quiet this morning. Don't read the Bible to get a sermon. Members, please don't read the Bible. Just Parents that are here, don't read the Bible just so you can get something for your kids. Hallelujah. Sunday school teachers, don't just read the Bible for curriculum to teach. When you do your daily Bible reading, apply it to you. All right? When you sit down and you start reading that thing, look look and pray before you do and say, God, please point out any areas in my life that need to be fixed here today. And whether it be one chapter, a passage, or whether it be three or ten chapters a day, make it apply to you. Make it apply to you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Devotions and discipleship for spiritual growth. How's that going? How's that going for us? Books, audio books. We got uh, right now media, training courses, how we can be better Christians, how we can be a better evangelist, how we can be better uh, uh, teachers, how we can be better parents, how we can be better spouses, how we can, how's that going in our lives? Are we decide, Are we getting closer to God? How's our growth? How faithful are we being to that? How faithful? In our, in our relationship with God. Where does God want us to be reliable? Where does He want us to be faithful? What are we going to be judged on? I can tell you the number one thing is your relationship with Him. He's, he said on that day, he's, he's, he's going to say these words or not say these words. He's going to look at you. He's either going to know you or not know you. 
I never knew you. Let me tell you something. That has nothing to do with the church, uh, that, that you're, the pew that you're sitting on right now, whether he knows you or not. I want you to know that the number one priority of your life is to get it right with God. Hallelujah. Being faithful in that daily life with Him. All right, now we're going to move on to the church. Where else does God need us to be reliable? He needs us to be reliable to the church, to our home church. Church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man, Dwight L. Moody. It's vital. It's vital. Be there physically. We are responsible for our measure of faith. Did you know in, in Romans chapter number 12, the Bible talking here in Romans chapter number 12, beginning at verse number 3, the Bible says this, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man listen to this the measure of faith. The measure of faith. That means you can't look at Brother Jared and say oh yeah he's higher than everybody else and needs to bring all of the measures of faith that we need to have revival. Hallelujah. That means you shouldn't say, well, you know, we've got these ladies, these three ladies that really are the ones who step out and they're the prayer warriors, so we're going to put that measure of faith on them and they can take care of the prayer for the church. Every one of us have a measure of faith and we will be judged whether we're using that or not. How are you stewarding your measure of faith? Woo! Hallelujah. Oh, the Holy Ghost is helping me. I'm, I'm okay. I don't know if you're okay, but I'm okay. How's your measure of faith? How's it going with you? We're all responsible for our measure of faith, and we will be judged by how we steward it. To the minister here today, are you ready? Young ministers, all of us are ministers. The more faithful you are, the more effective you are. Amen? The more faithful you are, the more effective you are. The less faithful you are, the less effective you are. People are watching. They're seeing how faithful that you are. If you want to have some weight behind you, and I'm not just talking about preachers, I'm talking about singers and, and those of you that are that are wanting to do something for God. I had many people come to me and say, Brother Jared, I want to do more. I want to do this. Well, I, I, I know that, and I want you to, and I want to push you to, but you have to be here to do it. Amen? Hallelujah. You have to be, you, you have to be available to make that happen. And if you're here, we can use you. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, Brother Davey's doing the music thing here, and he's, he's adding people to the music. You have to be here to be used for the music. Amen? I understand. And you know me. I'm, I told you before. You call me or you text me. It's fine with me. I'm not the judge. God is the judge. I'm not going to get mad. That's not the way that I roll. I can play the drums like I did the other night. I hadn't played in a long time. 
But I, I'm just trying, and I know that there are things that are come up, and I'm not bashing you here today. I'm just asking you to check yourself. Check yourself here today, okay? Hallelujah. So we see here, we have to be there physically. So in our attendance to the church, to the church, number one in our attendance, number two, how about our worship when we are here? Did you know you can be here and If you are, just listen to the podcast later, okay? I want to encourage you here today. Don't just be here, but be here. Hallelujah. What are you talking about, Brother Jared? doesn't sound like good English. Well, I'm not an English teacher, for one. I wasn't great on English. But I want you to know that to be here physically does not mean that you're here spiritually. Hmm. Be here physically does not mean you're here emotionally. God, help us here today to realize that it's more than just a mark that says, hey, I made it to church, and that makes me a Christian. No, sir, I made it to church, so I was a help. I want you to know here today that you, that you being here physically and, and, and nodding off or, or, or you know, not, not invested in what's going on or not willing, not, you, you know, we, we, we have the mentality of let's come into God's house and let's sit down and let's, number one, God's house is you. You are the temple. No, sir, you are the temple. And, and the Spirit of the Lord to move in His house doesn't mean the Spirit of the Lord to move in this building. It means that you, as an individual, are allowing the Spirit of God to move in His temple, which as you, as an individual... If you want revival, don't pray it down in the building. Pray it down on you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, help us to realize that if we're going to talk about the good old days and how we used to have revival back then, let's go in our minds back to those days. And I guarantee you, you'll see people that were probably about our age that were there every time and at least on time, but probably before time, getting their hearts ready. getting They were in a prayer, a state of prayer. They were ready to have revival. And you didn't even have to hit the first note on the piano before someone was speaking in a unknown tongue. What are you saying brother Jared? I'm telling you if you want to have a good service, I'm not holding you back. Your neighbor's not holding you back. If you want more, it's up to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How faithful are you being not just in your attendance but in your spirit. Not just your physical attendance but your spiritual attendance. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help us to have a season of revival where people in this church realize that revival's not going to come out of a briefcase and seven nights of preaching. Revival's not going to come from your special little song or the person that you like hearing sing, but revival's going to come out of your prayer closet through you as an individual. And if it does start in you, I guarantee it will leak out and it will get into this next generation and they'll begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness because they've seen it in us. Hallelujah. Your revival didn't start with your youth group. Your revival started with the people 
that were there keeping the doors open, keeping the lights on at your old home church. The men and women of God. Brother Stephen showed them last, last, what was it, Sunday night. Showed them up here. Had a picture of them, of the people. I guarantee you they were on their prayer bones constantly. I guarantee you they were in a constant state of revival. Hallelujah. You didn't have to pump or prime them. Oh, God, help us again to have a generation that rises up. I'm not talking about these. I'm talking about these. I'm talking about me too. Hallelujah. God, help us to be that generation that rises up and burdens the power and presence of God such as the priests did when they put that Ark of the Covenant on those shoulders and walked across on dry ground. God, help it to come Again, God help it to come here at Lighthouse. God help it to come with me and you. Because that's the way revival is going to happen. It's going to come from us being faithful in our physical attendance and in our worship, being there physically and being there spiritually. What have you invested in the atmosphere of each church service? to be us coming and with the move me if you can. But God help us to have the atmosphere here to where when each one brings their measure of faith, it is in full throttle before the first note on the piano before the first announcement, before the first testimony. Help it not to be to where we have to wait till right before the, the preaching, before yeah, here we are. We've got our minds so distracted on this thing and that thing. God, help us to learn to get here at a time where we can get our minds and our hearts prepared to have church. Hallelujah. And then whenever that, that chord struck on the piano, it's nothing but just helping us. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, it's not it. It's not the music helping us. It's not the preacher trying to preach us up to a position. God, help for whenever I get up here on a Sunday morning to preach a sermon, for the service already to be here and me being down here trying to catch up to it. Hallelujah. That's what I love to see, church. I want to see revival, but I know it's going to come from somebody who's willing to be good and somebody who's willing to be faithful. What's the fruit? What's the investment? We're going to be judged by what we do, how we steward this. Hallelujah. Where is your measure of faith? Hallelujah. To the member, worship is an act of war against the enemy of our hearts, Holy Garth said. Worship is an act of war against the enemy of our hearts. Somebody said, man, I just can't worship. I'm going through this, I'm going through that, I just can't worship. I'm going to tell you something right now. That's when you need to worship the most. Come on, somebody. That's when you need to worship the most. You're doing battle with the enemy over you, over your spouse, over your children, 
You're doing battle with the enemy over this youth group, over this church. Oh, God, help us here today. Oh, hallelujah, to put everything that we need to in it so that at that day God will look and say, you've been good, son. Oh, hallelujah, you've been faithful. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You matter. You matter to this church. So, reliable to God, reliable to church. In our attendance, in our worship, and then lastly, here in our giving. I didn't wear a watch here today. Purposely. I'm just kidding with you. It actually was on an accident. Giving. In our giving. In our giving of our time. In the giving of our talent. In the giving of our treasure. In the giving of our time, talent, and treasure. We support the church so the church can support us. Amen? We support the church so the church can support us. Leviticus 27, verse 30 says this, And all thy tithe, all the tithe of thy land, whereas of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, Every man according to as he purposeth in his heart. We talked about motives last week. So let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity. It shouldn't be hard to give to God. It should not be difficult to give to God. If it is, you've got to check that heart. Your motive's wrong. And you might as well be throwing your money away. Listen to this. It says, For God loveth a cheerful giver. Let me tell you something. It's not about supporting the church. It's not about the church. It's about you. It's about me. I love this. Uh, Dave Ramsey talks about why should I tithe. The tithe was not put into place for God's benefit. All right? He already has everything he needs. He doesn't need our money. And our money is already his anyway. Tithing is an act of obedience and should be given freely with pure motives. In other words, we give without expecting anything back in return. And it teaches us to be good stewards of what God has given us. Tithing was created for our benefit. It teaches us how to keep God first in our lives and how to live unselfishly. Unselfish people make better spouses. Amen? They make better friends, relatives, employees, and employers. And they usually have better finances. God is trying to teach us how to prosper over time. Remember, no one has ever become poor by giving. Woo! You hear that? No one has ever become poor by giving. God help us to give. I seen a video here one time, and it had a man who came up. He had a dozen donuts, and he gave it to this just guy that was sitting there. He said, "Here, here's a dozen donuts." I was like, "Oh man, you sure? Sure, man. I just want to give them to you. Well, what do I need to pay you? Nothing. I'm just giving it to you. This is yours." 
And then he kind of sits there for a second and he says, hey, I'm fixing to leave. Do you mind if I take one of those donuts? And the guy that he had just given to, given all the donuts, looks up at him and says, man, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm pretty hungry, and I didn't bring a lot for lunch, so I was thinking maybe I could have one at lunch. I just, I'm not asking for all of them. I just, you know, if I could just get a donut to run, you know, as I go. Nah, man, you know, my, I, I might take some of these home to my family. Are you kidding me, bro? I just gave you 12 donuts, and you're not letting me have one of them back? That's what it looks like. Amen? As a matter of fact, even so much as God said that if you do it, you're robbing him. God help us to be givers. Hallelujah. And I'm not telling you this so that you so that this building can prosper, whatever. I don't get a percentage of the tithe or anything. All right, I get paid salary. It don't matter what you pay, what you don't pay. But I want you to know here today that in order for this to prosper, in order for you to prosper, you've got to be a giver. Amen? You've got to be a giver. God help us to have that spirit. And then the last point here to family. God expects you to be faithful and reliable to God, to church, and to family. We are training our children with our priorities. Amen? We're training our children with our priorities. Think about that statement. We are training our children with our priorities. It don't matter what you say, it's what you do. Well, it does matter a little bit what you say, but more what you do than what you say. They will learn more by what we do than by what we say. Your attendance trains them. Your participation trains them. Your worship trains them. All right, when you're not here physically, you're training your children. When you're not here spiritually, you're training your children. When you're not investing, you're training your children. Be here in every way. Be all in and you'll train your children that God is number one in my life. It is not about what I want. It is not about my wants and and the things that please me, but it's how can I please God. And when you live that life, step in those steps in every decision that you make, then your children will see somebody who's not in love with the idea of Christianity, but is in love with the Every step, every walk, the life of Christ, they'll see in you what they need to do. And they're going to learn and replicate what you do one way or the other. When we allow something to come in between us and being here at church, it better be good enough that we can look at the next generation when our children are married and look and say, okay, I understand that. Think about it. Think of it. it better be that good that we're missing because that's what we are teaching our children. Hallelujah. They'll look and they'll take it even one step further than what we did. Dad missed for this, so I'll miss for that. Come on now. Hallelujah. Mom missed for this, so I'll miss for that. And it's always a step further than what we did. God help us. Be faithful. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Is this okay?
I've had this on the agenda for about a month now. I've been studying everything, and I, I hope I'm not making anybody mad. I'm just asking you to check yourself today. I just want you to check yourself today. Hallelujah. Your, you need the church family. Your spouse needs the church family. Your children need the church family. Your grandchildren need the church family. They need Sunday school, church. They need to be taught and discipled. Hallelujah. You know, I talk to many kids, even in this school, they don't even know the, the, the stories of the Bible. And it's because we've unplugged Sunday school. Well, we haven't done that here. We're still teaching. You need it. Your children need it. Man, we've been talking about priorities up here. Brother Colby's class. Man, I'm telling you, if you're missing it, get in there. Get involved. There's been some of the videos that he showed that I wish, matter of fact, I thought about playing one last week on, on Motives. He done a lot better than what I did. I'm telling you, it's there. It's available. We're going to be judged. If we had the opportunity to learn and we chose not to, and we put something else in that priority, God help us. Guidance at Sunday school, those types of things. In church, our children, our spouse, our grandchildren need that love, that brotherly love that the Bible talks about. Pray for each other. All right? That takes connection to know each other. We have that connection by our attendance. And then guidance, love, championship. I'm sorry, companionship. Read it wrong there. Championship was wrong. How many times in Paul's book does he write about, about companionship in the body of Christ? Titles given like fellow laborer. Hallelujah. Companions. We need, guys, the reason why we need to be faithful is not just because of this 38-year-old man. It's because of this 16-year-old girl that on a Thursday night service, last Thursday, tears were flowing, came down here and laid down before the Lord, weeping and crying for revival, personal revival to be birthed in her life. That's why we need it. Hallelujah. I told them on Thursday, I believe it was Wednesday or whatever, I had revival up there, me. It's in my personal life, but my daughter didn't. She needed to be here on Thursday night so she could so she could get a hold of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Help us here today to realize that we need each other. Not just us, but our families. We live this life and we're reliable to these things, God and church, because of our families. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. So, good and faithful, this is what it looks like, church. This is what it, I know we can go into other things, and we're going to go into other things and talk about outreach and other things like that, and those are important. But you have to have a foundation. This is your foundation here today. Good. Faithful. Hallelujah. Good and faithful. God help us here today to learn what it's, to, to check ourselves and evaluate this morning and say, you know what, I need to go home and, and do some
priority checking, write down some priorities, go over it with my family, and we're going to change some things in our lives. I'm going to change the way that I'm doing life right now. Hallelujah. Let's stand. The other day, I heard a story from a pastor up north. Him and his family, they they like playing this game, Slug Bug. They actually got one called, um, what's it called? Cruiser Bruiser. So now they can hit each other when they see a slug bug and they can hit each other when they see a PT Cruiser. Sounds pretty painful to me. We used to play that game until we got a little bit too active. We had to put a shutdown to it. But he said something. He said, he said uh, you know, we got to the point to where we would drive, and before we had ever hit this specific corner on the way home, everyone knew that there was a slug bug there. Everyone knew that this slug bug was coming up. So he said, every time, he said, we have so we, we'd be coming up on it. Somebody would jump up, slug bug, and hit. And then everybody would start. You didn't see it yet. It was, I couldn't even see it. He said, sometimes they'd even stop and go back to where they said slug bug just to see if they could see it from there. And he said, one time, one of his kids, I believe it was, was driving and, or no, not one of his kids was driving, he was driving. But they were driving. He reached over and said, slug bug and hit. Because everybody knew it was coming. And then they hit that corner and guess what? Somebody had moved the slug bug. It wasn't there anymore. And just out of habit, man, every single time, they knew it was going to be there. They just knew that, that every time that it would Come on now, you know where I'm going with this. There are young people that we have in this church that don't have a Christian family. They don't have a staple at home. You know what their staple is? You. Every time that when they walk in, they can look to the right, and there's the Matthias family. They walk a little bit further, and there's the Whites. Brother Sappington's there, and then up on this side, always this side, maybe a couple rows here and there, but you're going to see the Edwards family sitting there. How, how about you? Are you the one who's there? Are you the one that they can count on? Because let me tell you something, and I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to, you know, sound horrible here this morning, but I want you to know that there will be a time when you walk through that back door and you walk right here, that Sister Donna won't be here anymore. And Brother Wayne is going to be on to meet the Maker. They're going to walk in that door and they're going to look and say, Where's the staple? God help us as the next generation the generation that everyone's writing about 
that's saying that they're just being passive. They're 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 not they're not worried about church attendance. They're not worried about they're just gonna do their own thing. God help us not 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 to give into that here at Lighthouse. God help us to be that slug bug. That the people know every time the doors are open, unless I'm sick, contagious, unless something happens and I have to be out of town, I'll be here. I'll be here. Now, we're talking here today, or here yesterday, me and Sister Donna. She texted me after the Thursday night service and said that she wanted to do a uh, prayer partners, wanted to see if anybody would be interested in doing prayer partners with the young ladies and the young men. I love the idea. Had a talk with Tim Laredo. His church is doing great. Over five to 600 people that are going there. Awesome church. They said that their prayer meeting consists of this. People showing up on Sunday nights and on, on their midweek service night, 30 minutes early. An hour of prayer a day. Said they can't get them there on a Tuesday night prayer meeting, but you know it's a little more convenient for people to come 30 minutes early on a midweek service on Sunday night. Could we start something like that? Could we start something like that? Could we be to these this youth that are we're pushing for a seasoned revival? Could we be that staple? Hallelujah. Could we be that good and faithful servant? Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We're so grateful for all that you've done for us, God. Lord, this hasn't been the easiest thing for me to preach. Lord, you know the anxiety that I felt before I got up here, Lord, but I thank you, Lord, that you've helped me, Lord, to be able to preach it. And I, go, and I know, God, that it needed to be said. And I know that we need to check our hearts, Lord. I know we need to check our motives. And I know, God, that we need to check our priorities because we're training our children with our priorities. God, I pray right now, God, that you would help the feeling, Lord, that you've given me to be on these people, God, on your people. I pray, God, that they would, that they would evaluate their priorities right now, God. Help them to be honest with themselves, Lord. And in the areas that they need to change and sure up in order for them to be the parents that they need to be, in order for them to be the grandparents that they need to be, in order for them to be the, the Christians that they need to be, their reliability to you and to their church, Lord, and to their families, God, I pray, God, that they would sure up those, those places. So that, God, when it, if their children, Lord, at the it, when they get older, that they will be able to say, I give them everything that they needed. I showed them the way that they needed to go. God, help us to have that testimony, God. Help us to know what it's like to be good and faithful. Hallelujah. All right, church. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands here today. I'm just going to ask us to evaluate ourselves. Talk to our spouses on our way home. Make sure our priorities are right. Show our kids that we're leading out. Show our kids that our first love is God. Hallelujah. Can we do that here today? Let's gather around this altar here today.